1: Today's quote is read by Star Trek's omnipotent Hugh, actor John DeLancey.
2: I suspect that what has happened is that much of the Star Trek phenomenon comes from waiting until real flesh-and-blood heroes appear again. To follow and to emulate these fictional ones serve, for some people, as surrogate images.
0: We would like to welcome back our guest, Robert Picardo. The dulcet-toned Robert Picardo.
2: Well, thank you, Rachel. <laughs> I, I appreciate that more than I can say.
0: Oh, that's so lovely. <laughs> um, I want I'm gonna throw it to Robert, but really quickly, when I look at this quote, and I know they're talking about real heroes, but what what kind of strikes me now is we live in an age today of superhero movies, right? It's all tent tentpole yes. superhero movies and that's fabulous mm-hmm. i love all that but what strikes me about star trek is the heroes were the flesh and blood human people mm-hmm. without any superpowers right having to use their empathy having to use their smarts. And that's that's not even what Mr. Roddenberry meant. It's just what's striking me today because there's part of me that misses storytelling a little bit. Like, that's one of the things I love about Star Trek. It tells a story as well as gives you all the the, the action and stuff. But, hey, Robert, why don't you tell us how you parse this particular quote?
2: Well, it, it, it resonates for me in a number of different ways. Uh, and, frankly, some of them are because I performed on Star Trek. They're probably not what Gene meant when he said these lines, but what I found most extraordinary about becoming part of the Star Trek saga is that I was constantly put in the presence of the real people, the real explorers, the real mm-hmm. astronauts, the mm-hmm. people in, in science and technology and space exploration that were inspired by, by Star Trek and other science fiction to pursue their careers mm-hmm. in that area, so that I, you know, the, the first, like, complete out-of-body experience Star Trek gave me was at the 30th anniversary of the premiere of the original series in 1998. We had a big event in Huntsville, Alabama, and I sat on stage with five men who had walked on the moon. And at first, no. I thought, what the heck am I doing here? This is silly. You know these guys, <laughs> these extraordinary heroes, and the, the courage they had uh, to to go in a tin can, you know, off the get blasted into space, and and then land on the moon and walk around and come back and sit on the stage next next to this actor, who you know uh, is scared if he gets stuck in an elevator for two minutes. So <laughs> I, I I just uh, at first I thought. This doesn't seem right. And then I thought, okay, Bob, you're going to have to grow up a little bit. If this is the circumstance that being on Star Trek is going to present you with, you can either feel intimidated or shy or out of place, or you can completely Mm -hmm. throw your arms around it, embrace it, and go with it. And that's what I chose to do. It's one of the reasons I've done so much work for the nonprofit Planetary Society over these last 20 years Mm -hmm. because I I wanted to bring – I wanted to take – my unique access to the science fiction audience and bring the message to them that if you love science fiction, you really love science and real exploration. You may not mm-hmm. know that, but let mm-hmm. me help you figure that out. And I try to get Star Trek fans, especially young ones, uh, to be interested in what we're really doing in space right now by following the, uh, the Planetary mm-hmm. Society and other great sources of information uh, in that area. And this planet, the Planetary Society is the world's leading advocacy group for space exploration. So, if you want to influence your government, no matter what country you live in, if they are mm-hmm. space capable, to, uh, in, and you want to tell them how important it is for you that they put more money into their space program and what goals you think that they should uh, emphasize in their space program, you can do that by joining a group like the Planetary Society. All right. So that's that's out of the way. That's how the the quote affects me. <laughs> uh, first and foremost, it's about there are real life heroes. There are real-life heroes yeah. right now, and Star Trek helps me mm-hmm. recognize them. And yet, Gene seems to, seems to be saying that the that the fictional heroes that we played, the actors and my colleagues played in the different Star Trek shows, are a substitute for real heroes until real, real heroes come along. I don't, I don't believe mm-hmm. that as much as Star Trek helps us recognize who the real heroes are. And part of the reason... I could recognize that is these heroes were humble enough to say, you know, I was inspired by watching Star Trek. I've met a younger generation of astronauts who grew up watching Star Trek and it made them want to do what they do. And I think that's about the best compliment that uh, Gene Roddenberry and certainly all of us who've worked in any of the Star Trek shows could be paid. And that is that our fictional space exploration has helped in some way to... Encourage real present day space exploration, mm-hmm.
1: and to follow up with what Rachel said earlier, um, when Star Trek came out, there were not you know these big tentpole superhero films. You know, Star Trek was one show, TV show on one of three networks, and that was you know there were other shows, but Star Trek even predates like the Wonder Woman series, and uh, it was out the same year that Batman premiered, so. I, I kind of get what he's say if you think about the times. And even when this quote was uh, read in 1976, predated the Superman movie, the Batman movies, obviously the Marvel films that we all have now. So I think in pop culture terms, we have like a huge uh, bounty of superheroes to to feast on. But when Gene made this quote in 1976, it really wasn't like the the big overwhelming pop culture phenomenon that it is. So I think that's kind of like what he means to it. Uh, until the real flesh and, well, and blood. Don't heroes sorry Trent, to up.
0: interrupt, but don't forget in the seventies there was a huge spate of mm-hmm. um, kind of like where we are now, Bob. Am I wrong that there was Towering Inferno and and seventy seven was mm. Star Wars, and so the big big tentpole thing was actually happening in its own way in the 70s, but it was disaster movies, as I remember, airport, things like that. But you're right, like Star Trek was the first thing that many people had seen that was real flesh and blood people, not aliens as the leads Mm -hmm. in some weird Mm -hmm. sci-fi thing, but it was us, and we could see ourselves into the work that Robert is doing with the society. That sounds amazing. As long as we, and you're an artist, so I know we don't forget the A in STEAM. You know, STEM was being pushed for so long, which was just science and math, and we left out the arts. And so now they're pushing STEAM Mm as the curriculum for kids adding back in the arts, because I think you would agree when Robert was telling the story in the beginning about being up on stage with all those people kind of endeared you to me, Robert, because most actors are like, well, I'm just as important, if not more than the astronaut who walked on the moon. (laughs) Clearly, Rachel. So the fact that you were humble enough to go, I'm an actor, right? I'm, I'm playing at this and I'm sitting with these people who are actually doing it like that's a mind bending moment actually isn't it in an artist's life
2: it certainly is and unforgettable one more distinction I'd like to draw you said Rachel that um, that back in when this quote was made that there were not a lot of big superhero movies the way we're flooded with them now with all the Marvel and DC uh, you know mm-hmm. characters that are, that get m- movies uh, built around them. but I like to think that Star Trek are ordinary people that are empowered by science. In other words, science is the superhero oh. in yeah. Star Trek, science and technology and yes. and what to mm-hmm. me is is great about Gene's original vision of the original series vision is that, science and technology can extend the human presence across the cosmos. It, science empowers, it enables, and has the capacity to even ennoble humanity without destroying it. There's so much science fiction now Mm -hmm. that is post-apocalyptic science fiction where, you know, the world has already been destroyed and these, you know, sort of dirty stragglers are trying to carry on. Well, that's You know that some of them are very cool, but that doesn't appeal to me that much. I like Star Trek's vision Mm -hmm. of, you know, we can all survive and we can make discoveries and we can all work together and thrive four hundred years in the future, especially at a time when it looks like we're going to destroy ourselves, you know, by the end of the week, which is the way the present world.
0: I've started to notice in the news, to be honest, especially in the last bunch of years, that um, it's not the friendly alien anymore, right? I'm not talking about Star Trek series, but I'm saying in the actual news, we're getting closer and closer to, to actually acknowledging, like, yeah, we're not the only, we can't, I can't possibly be the highest form of life there is. I just can't. So we're getting closer to accepting their other life forms. But I'm a little worried because what I'm seeing is a negative slant about other life. And I'm thinking about a Trump quote from last year where he said, we need dominion of the galaxy in outer space. I forget the exact words uh, he used, but it hurt mm-hmm. me. It hurt me in a Magna mm-hmm. Carta kind of way. You know, I was like, uh-oh, mm-hmm. this is not going to bode well uh, if we're thinking dominion already mm-hmm. when we're not even domining here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. at least in my opinion
2: that's the cold war the early cold war panic of you mm-hmm. know the invader from outside we, we because we were engaged in that you know in our uh, struggle for dominance on here on the planet with the soviet union it made all the idea of aliens coming that they were they they were uh, a threat they weren't they were going to destroy us All of those, you know, the great Twilight Zone episodes. Wait a minute, that book, to serve man, it's a cookbook. Yeah. Which is one of my favorite lines of all time. That is a great... I love that line. Can you imagine reading the script and go, I get to say that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Trent, do you have any thoughts around this quote before we wrap up?
1: Yes, absolutely. So the two words that stand out to me about the surrogate images, about the, the the Star Trek characters who stand in as surrogate images for real heroes. Yes, that's kind of true when you're thinking about like the datas and uh, the this, the alien creatures. But let's not forget that the uh, characters on Star Trek are engineers, they're mathematicians, they're doctors, and those are real flesh and blood heroes that we can see, you know, in ourselves. In this pandemic that we are still struggling with, uh, first responders, the nurses, the doctors who really stepped up—like it's not so much to, to to think about them as not as superheroes anymore because they are. And a show that that is set in the future and it's you know so technologically advanced and all this technology and they're transporting and there's lasers and all of that, but the characters are you know scientists doctors I think that that's something that's really cool about what so Trent I love about is completely yeah, agreeing with, it me. It with me he just agreed with me he agreed that science yes. is Absolutely. the superhero <laughs> wait
0: but 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 yes, says yes, the lady yes, in the room I love that they had Deanna <laughs> Troy because an empath like seriously yeah. I think being able to have empathy for a fellow man is a superpower these days right and I mean true Absolutely. empathy I don't mean oh I feel bad for that over there no <laughs> I mean actual empathy there by the grace of whatever Allah Buddha Yahweh God you pray to could be any of us right mm-hmm. in any mm-hmm. circumstance and having empathy for what other people are going through I think and um so I was super appreciative they had that character in there because I it- mean and
1: I have to say like my appreciation for mental health started from watching Deanna Troy's character in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Like that's the first time it occurred to me that you know mental health is just as important as medical health, and it it made me more uh, amenable to seeking therapy when I felt that I needed it. And emotional so, yeah. intelligence Deanna,
0: is just as important as I think all the other mm-hmm. ones, especially when the aliens come and we've got to um you know have some empathy for ourselves. And the big changes going on here, but yep. also for them. Anyway, we could talk about this forever, but we got to wrap it up. If you all would like to see the video of today's quote, you can go to Roddenberry's social media pages, tell them to where to go.
1: Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And would love to thank once again Robert Picardo for being our guest today. So you'll have to tune in tomorrow to check us out on quoting Gene Roddenberry.
2: Goodbye. EMH out. <laughs>